0: Good morning, Church. It's great to be with you from the uh, studio here in Mississauga. Uh, I brought a very close friend uh, with me. I brought Todd Pulsifer, who's going to be with us this weekend. Uh, and he's an outstanding ministry he's a prophet of God he's been helping us to pioneer the churches that we're responsible for and um, and James and Lee have gotten to know uh, him recently as well and it's been a privilege to bring him here And we spent some time with the leaders last night and are looking forward to the rest of our time with you and coming down uh, frequently you know over the next little while and having you guys up um, all right I'm gonna hand over to Todd to uh, give a greeting Yeah, we have thoroughly enjoyed our time first night last night with uh, some of the leaders, and it was just terrific. And uh, one of the things we love is uh, being around a group of people who are hungry for the presence of God, because we know that that's the source of any kind of fruit that we can bear. So uh, we had a time like that last night, and we expect the same for the whole weekend. Uh, So we are just so thankful, privileged to be here. Uh, um, We feel right at home, (laughs) even though... uh, uh steve's kids were remarking you know what does mississauga look like when the people of god are around it feels like home that's that's what it's like so we have been so welcome so well taken care of and just look forward to uh growing this relationship with you all right it's great to be with you um as Todd said, uh, I was able to bring my boys with me, who are uh, 10 and 11, and they were pretty excited about coming down. When I talked to them that we were going to be able to come down and spend some time with the, the Colgans, they were really excited. And I told them, like, where do the Colgans live again? And I'm like, Mississauga. And Kai Kai and my 10-year-old were just like, Mississauga, I wonder what it even looks like. And I was like well prepare to be amazed and so uh so we have the the afternoon planned this afternoon to drive around a little bit and show them uh Mississauga and then hopefully maybe get downtown and see 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 the CN Tower for them for the first time so they're pretty stoked about that they're pretty excited about that um All right. Um, I have a lot to say in a short period of time, so I'm going to kind of dive straight in. And uh, I want to take some time this morning and talk to us about the the beauty of the fellowship that we have with each other and what it actually means just for us to be together and how rich that is. But we're gonna springboard from Genesis. And as you may know, um, if, if you listen to me talk uh, at any other, at other times, I love the book of Genesis. Genesis. Genesis and Psalms are kind of my two co-favorite books of the Bible, maybe with Ephesians squeezing in there as well. Um, but I love Genesis because not only is, is God creating, but he's creating precedent. He's teaching us something of himself, of the ways in which he does things. So <clears throat> he starts out, he, he, he shows us things. And then he says, now this is, I want you to understand this because it's not just what happened. It's I'm actually trying to describe something of what I'm like and 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 who I am. And you see these. That he's, so right at the beginning, you see Genesis, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night and there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. And so there's so much that, you can, that we can see and, and, and begin to understand of who God is just from those few verses. <clears throat> and then it keeps going, um, and I, I, won't, I won't, for time's sake, you know, read the rest of it, but I encourage you to take some time and just meditate on these things and ask ourselves the question, what does this teach us about God? And we'll begin to see things like um, that God is creative, that God creates worlds through what He speaks, um, that, he, the, that one of the most important things to God is light. It was the first thing that He brought into existence of, of vision and communication and understanding and comprehension and, and consciousness and, and and that light um, is always on the offensive, and darkness is always regressive um, and you see here where even these patterns you see that the Holy Spirit is is, is hovering. And waiting for the word. And when the word is spoken, the Holy Spirit moves into action. And so again, these things aren't just, it's not just a history book. It's actually teaching us the patterns and the ways of God that the Holy Spirit always looks to bring order out of chaos, light out of darkness, is waiting for the word of God to come. And when he comes, uh, when the Holy Spirit moves, light happens. and then there's one... That I want to jump to day three for a minute because it's important for the context of our discussion. Um, it says this. And then God said, Let land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the third day. So here's this picture that on the third day where God creates all these things. It it makes a point of saying multiple times that he created something with seed in it. And that's important because seed, in order for it to multiply, has to be buried. It has to go into the ground. And it's this drama that that he's enacting for us of seeds that will surrender their life. they surrender their self, as it were. And in this process of surrender, of death and of burial, that that's where resurrection and multiplication happens. And it's beautiful that God chose in his wisdom the third day, the day of resurrection, to demonstrate this unfolding drama of death and burial and resurrection and multiplication. And then we get to verse 26, and and we're going to springboard from this this morning. Um, He says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, man and female. He created them and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over, I think the New Living Translation says, be masters over all areas of life, which is, I think, a beautiful way of, of putting it. And this is important, and so the reason that the first 25 verses are important is because when we get to verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image. But the first 25 verses teach us a, a lot about what that image is, and we begin to understand that God is creative, that God, like I said, speaks world into existence, that, and that we are creative because God is creative, that, that worlds are formed by our mouths because that is, that is what God is like. We begin to understand that God is able at the outset to say this is good and this is bad. This is, he has a judgment system. He has a value system. He's able to separate things. And we begin to understand so much of the characteristics of who God is, which maybe we'll look at some, some other time. But the important part that I want us to draw on here is let us make man in our image. What he didn't say is let me make man in my image. He said let us. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's this triune God, this, this covenant relationship. And you and I are created out of the, the love expression of this covenant relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And immediately we're made, in, we're immediately made into plurality, male and female. And we were destined then to enjoy, ongoingly, and we still are destined, to enjoy the covenant relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's different than just uh, getting to know somebody, like you get to know maybe some of your friends and you get to hang out. It's the, the, the quality, the essence of, of the relationship is actually supernatural. It's 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 miraculous. And and this is what we were born into. This is why, for us, being in covenant relationships, um, being in real, meaningful... Um, the, the, the Greek word is hesed, H-E-S-E-D. These hesed relationships. Um, the, the reason why we feel so at home in these is because, actually, that's part of the nature that we were created out of. We were meant to be in real, honest fellowship with each other. Um, but then... As you read through Genesis, um, you see another sort of glimpse in in Genesis chapter 2. And and again, these are pattern setting. And you see in verse uh, 3, this phrase, the Lord God. Verse 7, the Lord God formed life. Verse 8, the Lord God. Verse 15, the Lord God. Verse 18, the Lord God. Verse 19, the Lord God. Verse 21, the Lord God. Verse 22, the Lord God. And, and you, you, you get this glimpse of the Lord God. And then chapter 3 comes in and it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And you see the Lord God again. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? You think, wait a minute, what's missing? It's this phrase, Lord. Suddenly, when the serpent speaks, the word Lord is removed. And it's just God. And again, these are setting, these are patterns. It's setting precedent. It's demonstrating something of the ways that not just what happened, but the way that things are. And so the serpent always comes to question the word of God and to question the lordship of God. And he comes and says, did God really say you must not eat of the garden? And then what began to happen is... Uh, they listen to the serpent, and Adam and Eve make a choice. And they make a choice to go alone, apart from God. And God is individual, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he's not independent. And they made a choice to go independent. They say, I actually want to sit on the throne of my life. I, I, want, I, I don't want this issue of lordship any longer. I want to remove him as Lord, and I want to be the Lord. And that was the promise of the of the serpent, that you'll be like God. And they made that choice of, actually, yeah, I want to sit on the throne of my life. I want to be the one who's the Lord. And in doing so, they actually separated themselves from the Lord. And then we know what happened, I, I trust. If not, take some time and maybe read it this week. Um... But you see you see, four things happen fairly quickly right in chapter 3 because of their choice of aloneness, because of their choice to be departed from the fellowship of, of the nature of the covenant of God. You see that, first of all, this phrase is uttered in the garden. Adam, Eve, where are you? And it wasn't that he had lost them. It was that they had suddenly been separated in this koinonia, this fellowship, this hesed, this agape love that they that they had enjoyed with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, suddenly that was removed. And he's saying there's now separation between us. And there was never any separation before. We used to walk together in the cool of the evening. And now there's this separation between this. There's this disorder, there's this chaos that has been introduced into, the, into creation, into the garden. And so you see a, separ- a separation spiritually. And then secondly, He says to them, when he finds them, he says, uh, what's going on? What happened? And they said, well, we, we ate of the fruit and so we ran and we hid because I was afraid, because I was guilty, because I was naked, because I was ashamed. And see, we grew up in a world where these sorts of feelings are commonplace. We know what it means to feel guilty or, uh, or afraid or uh, ashamed. But these were foreign feelings in the garden. These were the first times that these were experienced. And they were experienced because of a choice of removing themselves and going alone and, and going apart their own way. So you see a spiritual separation, but then you see a psychological disorder and a psychological separation that then gets introduced. And psychologically, disorder and chaos and separation are is introduced even to man himself and and then thirdly you see um, when when God begins to question Adam on it he's like well the problem here is that woman that you gave me so I'm not sure whose problem whose fault this is it's either your fault or it's hers but it's not mine and again, you begin to see the results of sin. These are patterns that sin always looks to run and to hide. Sin always looks to shift and to blame. And, and um, the good thing is God always pursues, which is another pattern that you see. Um, but, he, but he says this, this is not my fault. It's, it's probably her fault. It's that woman. And, and up until then, they had known this covenant love, this covenant relationship. And Adam just throws his wife under the bus and says, this is her fault. Um, she's, she's the problem here. And suddenly, relationally, Between human and fellow human, there's a separation that had never existed before. And so you see that there's, because of sin, a spiritual separation, a psychological separation, a relational separation. And then lastly, Adam and Eve try to cover up their own nakedness and their own shame with their own efforts. And God says, no, there has to be innocent bloodshed to cover sin. Again, another picture, another pattern that you'll see traced all the way through Scripture, all the way to the book of Revelation, culminating, of course, around Christ um who was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth uh but that's a topic for another uh time um so you see then that he says no innocent blood has to be shed and god the father then has to has to take an animal and an innocent life is shed in the garden and for the first time the sounds of death are heard in creation and an innocent blood is shed And there was suddenly a separation and a disorder introduced between man and even creation, man and his environment. And the reason I'm saying all of these things um, is because when we look out in our world right now, when we look out in our world today, we see that apart from Christ, it's generation after generation after generation of humanity that has experienced this separation. This, this, this separation spiritually, this separation psychologically, this separation relationally, this separation environmentally, and when you look at it, when you turn on the news, no matter what news source you uh, prefer, it, it, when you look at whether it 's on social media or on uh, cable news or on online, you see generation after generation apart from Christ who have been experiencing the consequences of this separation that we see take place in Scripture. And it's actually contrary to the purpose and the plan of God. God's plan, which is still on track, is to fill this earth with people who are in his image. And his image is one of covenant love. His image is one of togetherness. His image is one of koinonia and us being welcomed into this fellowship and the love that is expressed between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we get brought into that and we get to be beneficiaries of and participators of that. The good news is that the story didn't stop there. After the fall, suddenly there would be, it says this, um, that, that there was another prophetic word. The first prophetic word uh, was uh, over mankind was in Genesis 126, to, to go and be fruitful and to multiply and to replicate the image of God around the earth. And the next one is this. And it's actually, first of all, spoken to the serpent. And he says, uh, I'll put enmity, enmity, enmity between uh, your seed and, 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 and theirs. And then he says this, but there will come a, the seed of a woman and you will strike his heel but he will crush your head. And there's this prophetic word, and it's a prophetic declaration of the virgin birth, because in creation, seed doesn't come from the woman, it comes from the man. But he says there's going to come someone who's not born, trapped in the seed of Adam and Eve. He's going to to come from the seed of a woman, then the Holy Spirit will overshadow a woman, and there'll be a man who's fully man and fully human. And he will, will, you will strike at his heel, and you can see that you know when the when the enemy finally got Christ on the cross, they understood who he was and think this is it i 'm going to crucify the Son of god and and he did he was crucified and he 's like i 'm striking him and what he didn 't realize was that was the very place that he was um, stricken was the place that was going to become the crushing of his own head and on the on the cross um, as the cross is lifted up and and put into this hole into this place on on the uh the 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 place was called Golgotha which means the place of the skull which is again another fulfillment of this beautiful picture that, that he would crush your head and but just before that happened just before christ went to the cross you have an exchange and you have an exchange between jesus uh the son and the father and he looks and he's in the garden of gethsemane which is the place of the crushing and he's there and the father, he's about to go to the cross, and he's looking at the cup that he has to drink. And he realizes that, because the Bible says he didn't just take on the sins, he became sin. He became, became sin on our behalf, so that God could judge it. And the son looked... And saw all of the effects of this separation, this spiritual separation, this psychological separation, this relational separation, even the environmental and creational separation. He looked and he saw all of these effects and all of the pain and all of the hurt and all of the abuse and all of the tragedy and all of the discord and the harmony. And he said, and the father's like, I need you not just to look at it, but I need you to become it. And he said, father, is there any other way? He said, there's no other way. And then he said this, Jesus. He said, well, not my will, but your will be done. And this is a beautiful expression. It means that Jesus, as a man, actually had a will that was different at this point than the Father. But he said, not my will, but your will. I'm going to surrender my will, my human will, my, I'm going to surrender it to your will. And it's a reversal of what we see happen in Genesis chapter uh, two, or Genesis chapter three, sorry, where, where Adam and Eve say, not your will, but my will. And, and Jesus, as a man, makes this choice. And he says, not my will. I'm going to surrender my will. And now I remember Genesis chapter, or um, the third day. I, and Jesus is actually the one who said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground, he remains but a single seed. But if he surrenders himself to the death process, then he brings about much fruit or much multiplication. He reproduces himself. And Jesus is at this point He's he's in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's enacting the drama of the third day of realizing that in order for the joy set to be for him to be uh, fulfilled, he himself is actually going to be the kernel of wheat that has to go into the ground. He's going to have to surrender his will. He's going to have to... Um, not live selfish or self-centered. He's going to have to surrender that to the will of the Father. And in doing so, he paved a way for me and for you. To be people who also then come to that place and to say, this is the issue of lordship in our life. To say, I'm going to give over the issue of lordship and ownership is really what that means. I'm going to give over the issue of ownership in my life. I'm going to, the biblical word is to repent. Uh, which which was a Roman centurion word that simply meant turn and walk the other way, do a 180. And in Adam and Eve, Eve, humanity has a trajectory which is still going a- alone its own way from God. And repentance is I'm going to turn and I'm going to go this way. And the way that we do that is to associate ourselves with Jesus' death on the cross and to say I'm going to give over the lordship and the ownership of my life to Jesus. And I'm going to associate myself with him on the cross. I'm going to, it's no longer going to be my will, but it's going to be your will. And this is a, this is a tough message uh, often, especially in Western Christianity, where it has sometimes, be, in some places, become a lot more about the fulfillment of self and God making myself better. And of course he wants us to prosper, and of course he wants to bless us. But the resurrection life actually comes after the cross. It comes after the surrendering of a will and saying, I'm going to give over the ownership of my life. Uh, None of us are exempt from the pattern of Jesus. He was the pattern son. And for us to say, no, I'm going to associate myself with his death on the cross and then his burial in baptism. So that as Romans six says that in baptism in water, we are buried so that we can be raised to live a resurrection life. So that he then, Christ comes to live and he lives his life through us. And so, this is, this is a beautiful picture here, and the Bible also says this, that he who had never known separation was separated, so that we who were as far off, we who were separated, could be brought back near, could be brought back into relationship, could be brought back into fellowship. And this is, this is one of the things that Christ died for, for us. It's not simply just for the forgiveness of sins. It's actually to bring us back into fellowship. It's to bring us back into relationship. And not just relationship with him, but relationship with the household of God. Relationship with the family of God. Relationship with the people who you are joined with in the body of Christ. I have one last scripture and then I'm going to close. Um, the apostle John wrote to believers and he wrote to them for a purpose. And he, he declares his purpose in First John 1, chapter 3 to 4. He says this, I'm writing to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So here's this beautiful statement from, from John. He's saying, I want to bring you into fellowship with us. This is why I'm writing you. I want you to come into fellowship with us. Real, authentic, honest relationship that has the love of God as the cornerstone, as the foundation, as the bedrock upon which we relate with each other. So that we're no longer knowing, as Paul says, um, People after the flesh, but we can discern them spiritually. And here he says, so that you too may have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. And he says, I want you to come into relationship with us so that you can know the fellowship of the Father and the Son. So basically, and he says that, and the reason is, this is going to make our joy complete. Uh, so according to John, you know, vertical fellowship with God And horizontal fellowship with each other is completed joy. That the path to completed joy is actually coming into fellowship with God and coming into fellowship with each other. And that this is how our joy can be complete. And every friendship, every relationship that we have in the household of God is a small and somewhat imperfect echo of the triune God of the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, the one last scripture that I'll refer to, so that I can still say the last one was the first, the one that was the last one, this one I'll just refer to, uh, is in uh, Corinthians 12, where it's, a I trust, a familiar scripture to many of us, where Paul is talking about the body. And he's saying there's many parts, but there's one body. Uh, there's one spirit, there's one body. And he says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the, the ear can't say to the foot, um, you know, I, I have no need of you. Uh, and what he's, what he's highlighting here is this idea that because of Christ, we've all been brought into one body. We've all been brought into one relationship. And he's saying that there's no room for inferiority or for superiority in the body of Christ. This idea that of superiority is actually, I don't need any help. I don't, need, I don't need anyone close. I don't need anyone help. I don't need to rely on anyone. I don't need to trust anyone. I don't need anyone speaking into my life. I don't need people uh, so close that they can see any of my challenges or weaknesses. I'm actually good. I don't need anyone. And he says, Paul says, there's no place for that in the body of Christ. But the other thing he says is there's no place for inferiority. That is, I don't have any purpose. I don't have anything to offer. Um, Everybody else is full of stuff. I'll just come and receive and I don't really have anything to give. So I'll, I'll just not really give myself to giving. And he says that there's no place for that in the body of Christ either. He actually says each joint supplies. So that is each joint receives, each joint gives. And that we have to find ourselves in the body connected in such a way where we are both receiving and we're both giving and and that's, that's tremendous. If, if you find yourself only giving and never receiving, you, my experience is you just end up dry and worn out and burnt out. And if you find yourself only receiving and never giving, you just find yourself like, I'm trying not to say it this way, but spiritually fat, uh, like the Dead Sea, that only receives and never gives. And because of that, it's actually uh, diminishing and dying. Um... Paul also says this. He says, some of you are sick and some of you are weak and some of you are dying because you haven't correctly discerned the body. Now, I know that in one sense that's talking about communion, but it's more than that. He's saying that, that some of you are sick and some of you are weak and some of you are dying because you haven't discerned that the answer to the very prayer that you are praying has actually been placed in the body. It's placed in the person next to you. It's placed in the church that you're rooted into. It's placed in the people around you. And the answers to the prayers that you're praying are actually all around you. And the good thing is that if we discern the body, if we recognize that, then instead of being sick and weak and dying, we to be full of health, full of strength, and full of life because we discern the body that we're joined to. This is one of the many values that we get to of being together in the house of God. Uh, When Paul wrote to Corinth, there was all kinds of division. There was all kinds of problems. They were divided. This is why he had to say there's one body, there's one Christ, there's one spirit. Because there was division over apostles. Some follow this apostle. Some follow this. There was division over rich and over poor and over economic status. There was division over ethnicity. There was division over male and female and he, he implores that we have all come to Christ. We are one in Christ. And I believe this is, some, is a truth that is being restored to the body of Christ in this hour, which I think is tremendous because I think as the world is, is fragmenting right now and the world is disintegrating right now, that the body of Christ is being formed. The body of Christ is being brought together. That the, that the, the unity of the bride is being formed that the army is being made strong that the temple is being built that the corporate man the redeemed community is coming together so that we can take our place together on the earth there is so much that seeks to divide us right now depending on you know, what news source you listen to depending on people's opinions depending on people's perspectives depending on there's so much there's an enemy that would look to, to steal, kill and destroy and one of his primary ways is to divide and to isolate and isolation and, and withdrawal is contrary to the nature of God as we've, as we've already seen but in the house of God there are many parts but there's only one body and we are all found in him all of us have died. All of us have associated ourselves with his death and his burial and his resurrection. And we've died equally. We've died totally. And the life we now live is his life living in us and his life living through us. And therefore, we are all, as the household of Christ, unified by him. One last thing that I would uh, I'd like to say. I know that there's lots of new restrictions out this week, you know, for... Um, because of the, the, the virus and the quarantine that we're under. Um, and I, I recognize that, and I think it's important to be mindful and important to be respectful and to, uh, to abide by these things. I think that God will give us creative ways to be together while um, maintaining um, physical distancing and all of the, 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 the bylaws. Um, because the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter four, it says, make every effort, make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit so make every effort to maintain the Unity Spirit. Right now there's lots of ways in which we would love to be together, but we can't. I'd love to see you all in person, but I can't right now. But we're making every effort, and I trust that we all are gonna do that. Because distance by virtue of geography, distance by virtue of schedule, distance by virtue of COVID nineteen quarantine. If if we're not careful, that can become distance in heart. And but for us to make every effort to say, no, we are we are together joined to the body of Christ. We have a fellowship that Christ himself gave his life for when he surrendered his will. And so we surrender our will to to Christ, to being found in him so that we can all be found together. So that the unity that we have, this is God's primary evangelistic tool for the world. He says the world is going to know who you are because of how you love each other. And it's, 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 it's so much of the covenant that he has that we get to share that is going to fill this earth as the knowledge of the glory of God is going to fill this earth as the waters cover the sea, as men and women and families and individuals like us find ourselves joined together with a love that is supernatural. It doesn't come simply because we have the same likes or dislikes or we look the same or we have the same income or, or they're the same uh, gender or the same race. No, it comes because our life has been bought and we have been found in him. And in him, he, the, his nature is one of covenant love. So church, this week and the weeks to come, let's allow this to be the nature of our relationships with each other. This covenant love until the knowledge of who he is covers the earth as the waters cover the sea, until the original creational mandate is fulfilled, and that is we have been fruitful and we have increased in number and we have filled this earth with people that look like him. All right. Have a great week, church. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you again soon and hopefully in person sometime. All of you can come visit us in Ottawa. I'll give you Todd's address. Steve and Todd, thank you so much for ministering to us. And everyone, I trust that you have heard God's heart for us as a community today. It is such a joy to be able to partner with friends in the gospel. And we dearly love Steve and his family and Todd. So thanks again. Just wanna let everyone know that we're really close to securing something for us to be able to meet in person. So really be paying attention to the emails and texts that are gonna be coming out in the next few weeks because as the weather's changing, it's gonna be harder and harder for us to meet outside. And we're excited that we will have some type of place for us to meet on a Sunday together. And just remember as you go through your week that God's presence is with you, that he's always with you in everything that you do and just be taking that time to pause and allow him to minister to you and give you wisdom and guidance throughout your day. Okay, thanks for joining us. Have an amazing week.